Today is the finale to a very special message series that we've been doing since April. It's called Find Your Life Again. And this series, we're talking about one question, which is how do you pick up the pieces of your life when you've lost something big, when you've lost a sense of direction, not sure what to do with your life anymore, when you've lost a sense of hope about the future, when you've lost maybe a bit of or much of your faith because some difficult stuff happened in your life and you're not really sure how to make sense of it. Maybe you lost a sense of identity, you don't know who you are anymore. Maybe you lost someone you love and you're trying to pick up the pieces now. And see, how do you pick up the piece of your life when you feel like you've lost something big? That's what we're talking about this series called Find Your Life Again. And you've heard me say this every single week, the biggest key to finding your life again, to finding hope again, finding purpose again, the biggest key isn't good luck. The biggest key isn't your hard work. The biggest key is experiencing Jesus. Because over and over, the Bible describes Jesus as the life. And if that is true, then what that means is if you want to find your life again, you need to experience Jesus. And that's why over the past several weeks, we've been looking at the Gospel of John, one of the most powerful books ever written. And in it, we are discovering, in some cases, maybe rediscovering who Jesus is. We've had an incredible time in this series. If you would say amen. If you've been blessed by the message in this series, then, hey, we'd love for you to share it with your friends and say, hey, you got to check out this message. You know, you know, forward it to your friends who maybe don't go to church yet and say, you know what, hey, I've been listening to this. Check it out. We can talk about it. And, you know, today, uh, in addition to all the ways that you already share and live out loud and tell people about what's going on here at Thrive Church, we've got one more tool we want to give to you because your feedback matters to us. We've got a Find Your Life Again feedback form uh, because we really value your feedback on what we do here at Thrive. And so if you want to go to mythrive.info and you'll press the button that says uh, the Find Your Life Again feedback button, just press that button and we'd love to hear from you. Always looking to see how can we do things better? How can we serve you better? Uh, and what blessed you? How is God moving your life through this series? Uh, and so we'd love to hear your feedback on that. Can we give all of our speakers in this series a big hand and just thank them and also thank God as well. Today, in the final episode of our series, Find Your Life Again, Pastor Tim Ashoi is here to bring the message. Every time he comes on the stage, we are always blessed. Pastor Tim and his lovely wife, Sandra, they are a very precious part of our church family. If you believe us, say amen. And we're so thankful to have them in our lives, so thankful for the positive difference that they make in the lives of many, many people. Uh, and so we're always thankful to have Pastor Tim here. So would you please welcome Pastor Tim Ashoi as he brings the message for all of us today. Final episode of Find Your Life Again. Let's finish strong. Praise God. Here we go. Good morning, Thrive. Great to see you all here today. Always an honor to share in the Word of God with you, and we're looking forward to these next moments as we share on the subject today. Uh, the only answer may be a miracle. I want to talk about miracles today and how God wants to move in power with His miracle power when looking at the life of Jesus, miracles around what he does seems to be the norm. With us, where we are sometimes with our blinded eyes and can't see really well spiritually and different ways, 
you know, miracles are rare and few and far between. But with Jesus, miracles were everywhere. When it comes to miracles, there's a lot of controversy about that. <clears throat> there are people, theologians, in our, even in the Christian world, who are cessationists. They believe that miracles ceased with Jesus and maybe with the apostles. And now, no, no such a thing as miracles. Some would just say, well, this is a figment of your imagination. If you're thinking about miracles, you're imagining things. Turn to somebody and say this morning, I'm not imagining things. <laughs> not imagining things. Uh, or it was, a, it was a fluke, you know, just a fluke thing happened. And, uh, or there's not a chance that there could have been a miracle here. Uh, now, while miracles are supernatural, they should be considered, I believe, as being normal if we're around Jesus. Miracles should be, should not be viewed this way, oh man, that's far out, I don't think a thing like that will ever happen again. Or should we be saying, wow, wonderful, praise God, we saw a miracle, but we'll see more of them. It's not like they're going to end at this time. I'd like us to think in those terms. This is where I'm going with this. The book of John says, These things are written that you might believe, and that believing you might have life through his name. All the miracles that were recorded in John, these things were written that you might believe. Miracles are manifest so that people will believe. God does the supernatural to take us out of our natural in order that we might believe and experience more and more of the supernatural. <clears throat> so, I want to take you, first of all, today on John's records of seven miracles. And I'm just, I'm just following through on the Bible today, doing a lot of reading, believing that the reading of the Bible and a few comments will, will stir faith within us and we'll become believers in Jesus and, of course, believers in all that he does in the ways of miracles. Seven miracles, first of all, that are, that are um, very uh, common to the book of John are, number one, turning water into wine. That's John chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, where Jesus attended a wedding. They, the, the wine, the wine uh, ran out at the wedding. And they were in a bit of a dilemma. And Jesus does this amazing miracle. He says, take these water pots, fill them with water. They filled them with water, and the water turned to wine. I say, wow. Say wow with me. Wow. That's amazing when you think of it. Turning water into wine. That was his first recorded miracle. Secondly, there was the healing of the nobleman's son, this boy was in a bad way, and, uh, and Jesus sends his word, and he is healed. And you read about that in John chapter 4. Then number three, there was the healing of the lame man at the pool. He was sitting there waiting for the stirring of the waters. And the waters would stir, but he couldn't get in. And he said, I don't have anybody to help me. 
And Jesus gave this man hope, and a miracle took place in this man's life. Then there's the feeding of the 5,000. Very famous story concerning Jesus where 5,000 are gathered to hear Jesus out in the country. There they are, and they've run out of food. And in the story, we see that Jesus cares about, you know, our basic needs, like having enough to eat and so forth. And a little boy with five loaves, two fish, comes, gives it to Jesus. And Jesus turns those five loaves and two fishes into enough to feed 5,000. Now that's amazing. Say with me, that's amazing. Then Jesus walking on the water. I mean, they didn't have styrofoam shoes back in those days <clears throat> where he'd put these shoes on and he'd walk on the water. It was a miracle that was performed as he walked on the water. Then number six, <clears throat> there's the healing of a blind man where Jesus uses spit and clay. <clears throat> you say, what a far out thing. You know, Jesus did so many things that were out of the box. You know, we do things we think, well, it's got to be done right. And if it isn't done right, well, then nothing good can happen out of it. Here Jesus picks up some clay, spits on it, throws it into the man's eye, and the man sees. And then there's a big to-do about this, you know, especially among the religious people. When I listen to Jesus and look at Jesus' life, I sure do not want to be a, just a, quote, religious person. <clears throat> because Jesus was really quite hard on religious people. Jesus is not about religion. Jesus is about life. Jesus is about relationship. Jesus is about miracles, about the things that we're talking about. He, he's so far out compared to all the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were there in his day doing the religious stuff, and they were just critical. And I look at the life of Jesus, and you know, you look at something like taking clay, spitting in, slapping it on the guy's eye. In a way, that's kind of, it's kind of funny. I know it's serious, but it's kind of funny. You know, some may be standing by and looking at this and say, what is this guy up to? What in the world is he doing? That's our Jesus. He's not like, you know, the religious crowd. Religion gets into its repetitive ways and does not engage the miracle that Jesus wants to do. Then, of course, we heard about Lazarus not that many weeks ago, a great message from Pastor J.B., who was raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us that it had, he, had, he had been dead so long that he was already stinking. I mean, the Bible uses those terms. And then he says, and most people would say, no, come on now, this has gone too far. How in the world, how in the world is this guy going to live? And Jesus cries out. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus jumps out of that state of death, and he's leaping, and he's bounding out of there, and is wonderfully brought to life. Now, in John 20 and 21, 
there are more miracles. And follow with me as I go through seven miracles from those two chapters. The miracle of an empty tomb. Just remember, last week we heard the story of the cross and how Jesus died on the cross. But then the story goes on to say that Jesus was buried in a tomb, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And the Bible says there that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. I mean, you're talking about a dead man here, and he's not there. And, of course, the accusations from the unbelievers would, well, you know, the... He was, his body was stolen, and there's all the different theories and so on. But the fact was that the tomb was empty because Jesus was raised from the dead. Amazing story. Amazing story. A dead man comes out of the tomb. Number two, the miracle of the stone rolled away. We say, well, what's the big deal, stone rolled away? Well, number one, if it was the two ladies that were going to do this, uh, the stone was a little heavy for the ladies. Because uh, it was estimated that the, that kind of tomb would have a stone that would probably be about 3,000 pounds. A little heavy for two ladies. Turn to some, somebody and say, I don't think the ladies could move that stone. I don't think the ladies could move that stone. It was a miracle. The stone was removed from the entrance. A miracle took place. Number three, the miracle of grave clothes. What do you mean, miracle of grave clothes? Well, when they, when they buried someone, they would wrap them in spices and so forth, and linen would be wound around them. It would be like a, a little bit like a, an Egyptian mummy. <laughs> and there, there they would be laying all bound up. But we know, and historians tell us about this story, that, that those grave clothes were basically undisturbed. The body was taken out, having been wrapped, was taken out, but the grave clothes remained in the, in the form of the body there. It was a miracle that he got out of those clothes without disturbing the clothes. Do you get it? Turn to somebody and say, I get it. I get it. He, it was a miracle. And he saw the strips lying there as well as a cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head and the cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Number four, another miracle, the miracle of angels. Angels appear at the tomb when the ladies come to see a risen Jesus that is not there. He thought he was dead, but he's gone, obviously. The miracle of angels. It says, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot, and they asked her, woman, why are you crying? Why are you crying? He is not here. 
He's risen. The miracle of angels. Angels appearing. I want to talk a little bit about angels appearing. In the Bible, there are many instances where an angel appeared to a person. Angelic appearances and occurrences are quite common, actually, in Bible stories. And they're not only common there, but actually angels do appear, and there are many, many recorded instances till this day of angels who appear before people bringing messages, speaking certain things, or just having that presence, bringing assurance for whatever. As, and angels are common in Bible story history, and it happened here again around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There were angels there. I want to tell you uh, kind of a modern-day story. Just a couple of weeks ago now, we celebrated the 80th birthday of Sandra's brother. <clears throat> and he was a Bible teacher for many years in a college. And uh, prior to that, he uh, did work with First Nations people, he would go, the, go to the reservations and he would hold services. And actually, Sandra and I, in our youngest courtship, when we were like 16 years of age, when he couldn't do it, he would ask us to go and hold the services among the First Nations people. So I courted Sandra on the Indian reservations in Saskatchewan. That's how we conducted our... Our, uh, our, what would he say? Our romance life. As, as a matter of fact, our first date was on a meeting to speak and be involved with uh, First Nations people. You say you guys are really far out, eh? Going and courting in that way. Well, I think it's good to have your, an involvement with the gospel in in our lives. God's number one, that's all good. And so we were involved in, in that way. Anyway, back to the story of him. He was going to have a meeting at one point, and it was raining. And in, uh, back in Saskatchewan in those days, uh, 60 years ago, there were a lot of mud roads. And he got stuck in a mud road. And he tried and tried to get out of there. And he said, oh, God, help me. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get to a meeting because I'm speaking at this meeting. And lo and behold, a strong man appeared and pushed him out. And he was on his way. That was an angelic appearance. That's the only way you can describe it. The Bible does talk about angels assisting those who are heirs to salvation. And I believe that we, as believers, and believers in miracles, should anticipate that this can happen. It is possible for this to happen. We are not unbelievers, we are believers, and so we believe that these things happen. Sounds a little far out, but it is real. 
Angels are still on assignment today. There's a book called Angels on Assignment that's a good read of a man who had many angelic appearances in his life, and he records those of others in this present world that we are living in right in these days. So the next thing I want to talk about is the miracle of Jesus coming through locked doors. Here's, this, here's the verse, uh, and it says, The disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders, again, were religious people, and they were persecuting the believers. You know, religious people many times are not real believers. They're just religious. And that's what we see in this story. And Jesus they are gathered there because they're afraid and they're being persecuted. And Jesus, all of a sudden, the doors are all locked and Jesus, whoosh, comes into the midst of them. And they say, wow, how did this happen? The doors are all locked. This place is locked up and Jesus appears. It's amazing. Jesus supernaturally appeared. Those are what we call miracles. If God is at work, anything can happen. Number six, the miracle of new authority by the Holy Spirit for disciples to have this authority to pronounce forgiveness for those who may not have forgiveness in their lives. Here's the verse Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is a great controversy among some again. Some say, oh, I don't believe that those who are believers can forgive sins. Well, we understand that Jesus is the ultimate forgiver of sins, and it's the cross that brings forgiveness of sins. It's the shed blood that brings forgiveness of sins. But Jesus put an authority into his disciples to forgive so that when people hear you are forgiven, they know that they are forgiven. And I believe you and I have been given that kind of authority, just like the disciples, to actually release people by telling them, hey, Jesus forgives you. Sometimes people need to hear that. Over the many years I was involved in, in counseling and so forth, that's one of the things I was often led by the Holy Spirit to, to do and to say is to say to this person, I know we've all messed up and you feel like you've messed up. I don't want you to know that Jesus forgives you today. Turn to somebody this morning and say, Jesus forgives. Jesus forgives. Number seven, the miracle of doubting Thomas believing Thomas is viewed as this doubter. And he said, I, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my star side. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. You know, 
coming out of unbelief into faith is a miracle. You know, as human beings, we're so often, when it comes to the miraculous and the things desperately needed, we're, we're so skeptical. We're so against that which, you know, is not founded in the way we think it should be or whatever. However, when we get close to Jesus, like Thomas got close to Jesus, our doubting goes and our believing begins. The Bible tells us in the book of John, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book of John, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. There's one more miracle I want to allude to, and it's the miracle of fishing. Remember the disciples were having, they were toiling, they were working away. They couldn't seem to catch any fish. And then Jesus comes along, and you'd think it would be, you know, with some scientific advice in terms of how they should deal with things. But Jesus does this simple thing. He says, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. And you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. They were totally successful when they listened to Jesus' words about fishing. Can I say this this morning? God is interested in you prospering in your business, in your work. As you follow his word, you will prosper. As you follow his word, you will prosper. I'm going to say that one more time. As you follow his word, you will prosper. He has a word for us in our situations in the workplace, in everyday life. Having Jesus with us makes it possible for us to see the miracles, to hear the advice, and come into what he has for us in our lives. You see, Jesus is for all spheres of life, even fishing. He wants to help us in all areas that we live in. You see, a lot of times we think Jesus is just for church or it's just for a few spiritual people. No, Jesus is for all of us in the difficulties we face in our lives. I had a young man who was an IT fellow, had an IT company in former city that we lived in. And he was a very smart technician, very smart guy, and he worked for large companies in solving the IT problems and um, had his own business and so forth. One day he ran into a problem. He could not resolve it. He worked for hours, could not resolve it. And he thought, you know, maybe I should ask God. Maybe I should pray. He prayed to God and he told me, he said, miraculously, miraculously, the systems begin to work. He said, I can't explain it. All I know, it was a miracle. You see, God can help you in the dilemmas you face on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever day of the week, whatever situation, God can help you 
and he can move in with a miracle. That's my message to you this morning. A simple message with many illustrations from the book of John as we're concluding the book of John. If God could help them to catch fish just by throwing the net on the other side of the boat at the word of Jesus, God can help you as you follow his instructions the best you know how, but as you cry out to him in your life. The Bible tells us the last verse of chapter 21, there were many miracles that took place with Jesus. And here's the extent. It seems far out. It says, if every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. Do you think that's an exaggeration? Sounds like an exaggeration, but... These are the words that John has concerning Jesus. He did so many amazing things. He did so many miracles. He said, if you wrote as many books as possible to fill the whole world with all of these books, it, it, the books couldn't contain it because there's so many. You see, there are miracles going on right now. Maybe in this place that you don't see but are happening maybe in other places around the globe, around the world. There are miracles happening every day, every moment of every day. And we can anticipate that he will do yet more. Because I believe in miracles. Jesus said something that blows my mind when he said, greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Now that's a miracle. God says, I'm going to work through you. Jesus says, I'm going to work through you. I'll, I'll do the resurrection life stuff. And by the way, I know of instances where people have been raised from the dead in my lifetime. One in northern Saskatchewan where a person had been dead for some time. One in Penticton, British Columbia. I, could, I have a whole list of them. People who said, oh, they died. And a man of God came along commanded the person to come to life, and they came to... It was a miracle. Miracles still happen. Resurrection. Business miracles. I could go on with a whole list of business miracles that I know about. People who are engaged in business, they have miracle after miracle in their businesses. Innovative things, ideas, all these kinds of things. Man who built the huge earth-moving equipment, Laterno. He got a dream, a vision as to how to build the machines and so on, and he built them. He got the dream in church. He got the vision of how to do it in church, and he went out and did it. Business miracle, everyday miracles, the miracle of faith coming to help our unbelief. You may be here today and saying, you know, I just don't have faith in this stuff. I don't think I can believe the Bible. I don't think I can believe on Jesus. Hey, open your heart to a miracle and God can bring faith to your heart so that you will believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You will believe that miracles are for today, a miracle of new birth in your own life, a miracle to, of a heart change. And so today we, I, I break the strongholds of unbelief through faith and through the word that we have brought today, believing that you will be set free to believe. 
So many wonderful things God wants to do. So many wonderful miracle promises. You know that there are about 4,000 4, different promises given to us by God. Again and again, God wants to come and he wants to do the miracle by his promises. I believe in miracles. You name it, he can do it. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Not just one miracle, but miracle after miracle. Miracle for your children, miracle for your family. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life. That word life means zoe, zoe life, miracle life, amazing life through his name. Romans 15, 12, and I conclude with this. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's got good things for you. Open your heart. Believe him. Trust him. Pastor JB is going to come and conclude our service this morning. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Let's all stand as we respond to the message today, believing that with God all things are possible. The fact is that maybe you're here and Maybe you have a lot of questions about miracles, kind of like, how, how could that be? You know, I believe in science, I believe in the natural laws of this universe. Well, I do as well. But I also believe there's a God who stands outside that universe, who's bigger than those natural laws, and who is able to do things that may not seem natural to us, but that's because God is supernatural. He's beyond natural. And it's with that in mind that just as you know, you might ask yourself, you know, what, what's the greatest miracle in the Bible? What's the greatest miracle? You might have your favorites, you know, oh yeah, walking in the water, that's really cool. Or yeah, you know, like turning, you know, you know, a little bit of fish and bread to a meal for thousands, that's pretty cool. Or, you know, Lazarus raised from the dead, that's pretty cool. The greatest miracle of the Bible, it's Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the greatest miracle of it all. Without that, there's nothing. And see, there's really good reasons to believe that it didn't happen by chance, that it wasn't just some random occurrence. There's really good reasons to believe, scientifically, philosophically, and otherwise, that there was a God who stood outside of time and space who made that into a possibility for us, and that's why we're here today. And if that greatest miracle is possible, and if there is good reason to believe that there was a God who made that happen, then these other relatively smaller miracles that means that those are possible as well. And it's with that in mind that we come to God with faith, believing that with Him all things are possible. And just as God is a creator then, He's a creator now as well. And probably the most important creation and the creating work that He can do is in your heart, in your life today, is that God can take the old and make it new again. God can take something that's lost and make it found. When you feel like you've lost it all, God can help you find your life again. And the greatest way that he did that is he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. That when we had no way of reaching God, no way of getting to God on our own, which each one of us had strayed and done our own thing and separated ourselves from God, when we had no way of getting to God by our own merit or hard work, God didn't leave us to be, didn't, didn't say, you know, God you know, said, you know, to hell with you, I don't care about you, but because God loves us and he sent Jesus Christ for us to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. 
Perhaps the greatest miracle that God could ever do in your life is the work of making you new again, of forgiving you of your sins and making you a brand new person on the inside. And if that's something that you need today, if you realize you need God's forgiveness for sin, maybe something you said, something you did way back when or just recently, then I'm here to let you know that a miracle is waiting for you. And that miracle is something you can experience when you come to God with a heart that's humble enough to believe that what Jesus did on the cross is bigger than whatever else you did. And that's, with that in mind, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer to receive Jesus into your life. Maybe you're here and you've never been to church before, or maybe you never came from any background where you came to church or went to church at all. Maybe this is your first time in a church. I'm here to let you know that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ so that you would have a relationship with God, not a religion, not just rules to follow, but a relationship with God that we could never earn on our own. And if you want that, you desire that, it's as simple as praying a prayer to receive that. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. Those of you who are on site, you can just do this with me. Just get ready to pray this prayer. I would encourage you just as an expression of your need for God. I want you to lift up your hand to God right now. Let the height of your hands reflect you just come to God honestly and humbly and saying, God, I need you. Maybe you're here online. You can click the link that's in your chat room or scan the QR code that's on your screen. It's going to take you to the same prayer that we're going to pray together in just a moment. This is our way of saying very simply, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness in my life. And so if you need to pray that prayer, I encourage you to pray it with me right now. Those who prayed this before, you can pray it with those who are praying for the first time. And uh, why don't you just pray this with me together right now. You can say, Dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please come in. Please come in. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. And fill me with the Holy Spirit. I place my trust. I place my trust. Not in what I do. Not in what I do. But in what you've done for me. But in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Did you pray that prayer? If you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, then guess what? The Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. Not because you did so much good, it's because Jesus is good. And the Bible says you're a child of God, you're a citizen of heaven, you have a relationship with God because of Jesus. And it's with that in mind that we've got some gifts we want to give to you. You can go to our welcome center if you prayed that prayer, just let me hey, I prayed that prayer. Or online, you can click the link that's at the very bottom of that prayer that you just prayed, and it'll take you to those gifts that we'd love to send to you. On top of that, we encourage you to keep coming to church because every baby needs a family grow up in here with God. We'd love to be your spiritual family. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. It's you simply saying, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me and for rising again. For more info on baptism, to sign up for that, go to mythrod.info and uh, you can press the baptism button. We've got Baptism Sunday. Our next one happening July 24th. We'd love to help you with that. Praise God. Can we give God a big hand together right now? Thank God. Good morning, Thrive. We're so excited to see you all today. My name is Christine, and I hope you had a fantastic time today here at Thrive. Before we end off, let's jump into some announcements and take a look at what's coming up here at Thrive. If this is your first time joining us, we want to show you how much we appreciate you being here today by giving you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. Simply scan the QR code at the back of your seat or visit mythrive.info and click new to Thrive to fill out the connect card. 
If you joined us online, we'll mail you the gift as soon as possible. And if you're here with us today at Lipon Place, please drop by the Welcome Center by the exit door after the service to pick up your gift. Once again, thanks so much for worshiping with us today. If you've made the decision to receive Jesus Christ into your life, then baptism is your next step. Our next Baptism Sunday is happening on July 24th. Baptism is one of the most exciting things we do here at Thrive, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. To sign up, please visit MyThrive.info. For all the parents here at Thrive, we're just one month away to our very first Thrive Kids VBS summer camp called Make Wave from August 2nd to 5th. If you have children ages 3 to 9, we can't wait to welcome them for an exciting week of games, activities, and crafts. Your kids will also learn how to make a positive impact and share God's love with the people around them. For more information or to sign up, visit MyThrive.info. If you haven't already, we want to encourage you to get plugged in at Thrive by joining a small group or by being a part of a serving team. This is the best way to meet new friends and to develop meaningful relationships with other Thrivers. To sign up, please visit MyThrive.info. All right, so that concludes our announcements today. If you believe in the mission of Thrive and would like to contribute towards it, I highly encourage you to head on over to MyThrive.info and click online giving. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of the week. I'll see you next week online and on site at Lee Pont Place. See you soon. Bye.